0: Welcome to the Modern Insurgent's Patreon-only podcast, Atlas Analysis. Here, we talk to our writers in an informal setting and explore some of the more niche and obscure groups from our very own database, which you can find at themoderninsurgent.org. Sit back and enjoy our more relaxed, casual conversations with our team. Welcome to another episode of Atlas Analysis. Today, we're joined by Adrian Cornejo. Adrian, how are you doing today?
1: Good, man. How are you? How are you?
0: Oh, fantastic. The weather's been really nice here, so I am happy for once.
1: (laughs) Wish I could relate. Wish I could relate. (laughs) So, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Of course. To begin with. Yeah. So, hi. uh, My name is Adrian Cornejo. Uh, I'm the head of internal relations, as well as a contributing writing here at The Modern Insurgent. And I'm heading into my uh, freshman year of college. Um, I'm majoring in political science and minoring in journalism. So yeah, glad to be here.
0: Hmm. It's a pleasure to have you on. So today we're going to be talking about the National Socialist Movement. So let's kick it off with, funnily enough, what, what type of group is the National Socialist Movement?
1: <laughs> well, uh, it seems like a bit of a hard guess, maybe, but uh, <laughs> they are a, a, a far-right neo-Nazi group that are, uh, that are primarily in the Northeast currently. But yeah. Hmm.
0: Um, we'll kick over a brief history. Um, when and where did they start?
1: Yeah, so the uh, National Socialist Movement, uh, they started off in uh, 1974. Uh, they were founded by Robert Brandon and Cliff Harrington. Both of those guys used to be stormtroopers that worked uh, in the American Nazi Party uh, under uh, George Lincoln Rockwell. That party was founded in 1959, and after his assassination, it uh, dissolved. Um, so yeah, those two guys went and they made the National Socialist Movement, which um, originally it was named the uh, National Socialist American Workers' Freedom Movement and stuff. And then later on, once leadership changed, it was renamed to the NSM. So
0: certainly yeah. a a golden path for the founders of this Nazi group. <laughs> they <laughs> come sure. from come from the stars mm-hmm. <laughs> So what makes? What makes these Nazis different from any others? Is their ideology any different?
1: Well, the thing I've noticed with this group is that they're very specific on the things they want. Um, so, for example, on their main website, they have something called uh, the NSM 25-point plan, which is a very, very, very very detailed plan, which just goes through all of their like beliefs. So one of the main things that they talk about are how... Um, Obviously, only whites are able to become citizens under them, and they want to expel anyone else who, are, who does not fit that category, which you know is Jewish people as well as just other minorities in general. And um, they want to abolish like, unearned incomes because they believe it's going to break away from rent slavery as well. So they want to have, uh, like, health care and all these different sorts of things, but only for white people in general, only for whites, nothing else. And so, yeah, so if you're a minority, you can't – you don't have access to schooling – You don't have access to housing. You don't have access to any of these types of things. So you're basically just living, like, just below everyone else. Sounds very fun. So
0: (laughs) you said they were kind of uh, most prominent in the Northeast. Did they possess power or influence over any of the local communities there?
1: Well, the thing is, with these types of groups, uh, there's only so much influence that they really have. And stuff. Uh, WikiLeaks found out that in like 2009, uh, they exposed that there was like 61 chapters in over 35 states. Um, and they were founded in St. Paul, Minnesota. And their HQ is in was in Detroit, Michigan and stuff. But the thing about the influence in the community is that obviously most normal citizens aren't going to believe in these radical ideas. But they have tried to get into those communities more by, you know, putting out flyers on people's areas, you know, things like that. As well as interestingly enough, um, they had a, a camp that was uh, called the Viking the Viking Youth Corps, which later on, whenever leadership changed to a man named uh, named uh, Jeff Shope uh, in 1994, um, they launched a summer camp for youth. Usually, they they said it it advertises from 14 to 17 year olds, but there are show there are cases that show that they were younger than that, and it's just a camp teaching these children how to become members of the nsm and how to like the beliefs that they have and things like that so th- that type of stuff i found very interesting about them because i haven't seen that in any other group
0: yeah it certainly seems like i mean first out as the name makes me laugh a little bit <laughs> the viking uh-huh. I know. Like, yeah, they all just... go for the same aesthetics <laughs> man mm-hmm. uh but jeff showed like i've i can't say i've done loads of research that's kind of one of the points of this of Atlas mm-hmm. analysis but I, I have a little look at that about him he seems like a character to say the least yeah
1: uh, definitely a character change if people believe in that um, mm. <laughs> that's for sure yeah he, he took he took over the the NSM uh, in 1994 he was only 21 years old when he took over at the time because uh, Cliff Harrington one of the original founders um, handed over the uh, he stepped down and gave him the position because he was active a lot. And interestingly enough, he stated that he felt like he was a Nazi whenever he was in the fifth grade or on fourth grade, like whenever he was very young. (laughs) So it's, you know, but now he's taken this path where he, you know, is anti-racist and things like that. But that's up, that's up for debate whether or not people think that people like that can change.
0: Hmm. And that's what I want to get more into. I think it's a, A story that needs to be told. Mm-hmm. How how did Jeff become or become a supposed anti-racist? What what happened to the MSM for this to happen?
1: Yeah, so so it all starts off with a guy. Uh, his name was uh, James Hart Stern, and James Hart Stern and um, and Jeff shope have been in contact for a couple of years from tw- around twenty fourteen. And they he would actually they would have talks about uh, like the Holocaust and things like this. And by the way, James R. Stern is a civil rights activist. He's not a like Nazi or anything like that because he's a black man. Um, so obviously it's very opposing right there, of course.
0: But um, a, a black man with a very interesting history as well. Like he he was involved yeah. with uh the dissolution of a kkk chapter he mm-hmm. he did loads of different work with like different gangs in the 80s and 90s like to stop violence like i did a quick search about him and it seems like he's had a very one of the most positive careers i think i've had to research yeah. <laughs> to do with Honestly, Modern Surgeon, extremely to be honest.
1: Influ- yeah extremely influential in that hmm. whole area and stuff. So those two guys, uh, Jeff Shope and, and and Stern, they were share. They would share phone calls and stuff about um, about legally what was happening to the NSM, because obviously, as we're both aware of the Charlottesville riots that occurred, many of these groups, uh, you know, neo-Nazi groups, white supremacist groups, were facing legal scrutiny for the things that they did over there, and you know, the death of Heather Hare, which uh, you know, she was the person that died from the car accident from the, from the car that plowed through the protesters, and. They would share sure phone calls and Shope was uh, looking for uh, legal advice. You know, he wanted to figure out how to do this as well as trying to move himself away from the NSM mm-hmm. as, you know, things were getting pretty heated. There was a lot of internal disputes as well. And, yeah, so uh, eventually Shope uh, turned over the leadership to Stern because Stern, you know, convinced him that he could, you know, fix the lawsuits and other types of things like this. And it also put a weight off of, off of uh, Shope's shoulders. But um, Stern tried to un- was trying to undermine the group from within, and he was asking a Virginia-like court to issue a suit against them, to try to to, to to try to uh, dissolve the group and to make them you know fall under and stuff. But fortunately he died. Unfortunately, he died, uh, unfortunately he died um, months after that in October, October eleventh, in twenty nineteen. Um, so he, I'm not too sure what he what he could have done with the time if he stayed alive, but. In the little time he had, it definitely put a show on for everyone watching this, this group.
0: Thanks for listening to this preview. If you want to listen to the full episode, along with many other exclusive ones, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash insurgent. You'll find the rest of our Atlas Analysis episodes on there exclusively. Thank you.